You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Yeah, don't it sound so epic? Horns are screaming, I ain't the one you want to mess with. Use a joke, I ain't the one you want to jest with. The battle's coming, you only got a few seconds to run. All right, welcome to Truck Talk. My name is Matt Minnick, and my guest today is one of the best X's and O's guys, one of the smartest guys in the football industry, uh, executive producer and analyst, and essentially, from my understanding, the, the creator uh, of the NFL matchup show, Greg Cosell. Thank you for joining me today, Mr. Cosell. Matt, it's great to be with you, and uh, look forward to talking. Yeah, well, you have been... Uh, posting uh, a lot of your evaluations on Twitter and uh, seems to be a, a big focus on the wide receiver position, which is likely for the Bengals uh, to target in, uh, in day two of the draft. Uh, the Bengals currently have John Ross and A.J. Green under contract for only one more year. Uh, Green, of course, was franchised. Uh, Ross is entering his final year of his rookie deal, so unless they pick up his option, uh, he could be a free agent. So, um, you, know, with, you know, with both those guys uh, having uncertain futures and injury concerns, uh, really Tyler Boyd uh, is the only starting receiver we can really count on being there in, in 2021 and beyond. So today, uh, again, I want to focus on, on the receiver position. Uh, and, and my first question is about uh, Jalen Rager from Texas Christian. Although it's not what he did in college, he's been projected by many to be a slot receiver in the NFL. With the Bengals being in the best position at slot uh, with Tyler Boyd, do you think that Rager could find a fit within the Bengals' offense? Well, here's the way I think of it, Matt. I think now teams... More and more teams, and given Zach Keller's background coming from McVeigh and that kind of offense, I'm not sure that it's as specific as it is for certain teams. Because I look at, at, at let's say, the Rams and the way they use a Robert Woods. Robert Woods is kind of a, a combination outside receiver and slot receiver within the context of the Rams offense, an offense that uses a lot of what we call minus splits, where the receivers are reduced closer to the, to the uh, offensive tackles or tight end. Um, I could see Jalen Rieger fitting into that kind of role. Uh, because essentially, if you're going with those minus splits, those reduced splits, even if you're technically a wide, the number one receiver to that side, you're really more in a slot-type position. So I think in the context of that offense, I think Rieger could fit. Um, he's got good size in terms of bulk. He's a strong kid. He's quick. He's elusive. I thought he was relatively refined. Uh, he beat college corners ver- uh, vertically, so I think he does present a vertical dimension. Even though his 40 time in and of itself does not you know, wow you, I think he does present a vertical dimension. I like the player a lot. I think you can also use him on jet sweeps, orbit reverses. I think he brings a lot of versatility to your offense. 
Yeah, that, that vertical dimension and the jet sweeps, orbit motions, you know, those are all things that they have done at times with John Ross. So uh, if, if the, they are looking to move on from Ross in another year or he's looking to move on from them, you know, Rager could be a good fit for all those reasons. Uh, speaking of slots, LSU, Justin Jefferson had uh, 90% of his, of his monstrous production last season from the slot. Uh, he did have uh, uh, a lot more time as an outside receiver in previous years, but we all know uh, the big jump that LSU took uh, in, in 2019. So obviously he's got a great rapport with future Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow. Do you think that, that he could be a good fit within the Bengals offense if he slips out of round one? Probably. I, and the question is, it, it's very similar to, to Rieger in the sense of where do you see Jefferson in the context of your offense? Uh, you know, obviously, um, I think 100 of his 111 uh, receptions this past year came out of the slot. That's where he played this year, as you said, and you're correct. In previous years, he did play on the outside. So, you know, the question is, in the context of your offense, what is he? You know, I think he's got good size. He's got good length. He he really worked effectively between the numbers at the short to intermediate levels in, in, in the context of LSU's offense. He's not sudden or explosive, but I think he showed a really good feel for working inside. People cannot be hypnotized by his 40-yard dash time at the Combine because that's a training event. He trained to run a little faster. He does not play that way. You, you can't look at that time and go, wow, he's now a vertical threat. He's not a vertical dimension. Uh, so you have to decide, can he play outside? Can he win isolation routes outside the numbers? Can he win consistently versus man coverage if he's lining up outside against NFL corners? So you have to decide what he is. Is he exclusively a guy who works inside? Uh, if, if that's the answer, then what, what do you do with Tyler Boyd? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, it does, does become a bit of a predicament there and a, and a bit of a, a projection to, to see if he's going to fit with you there. Um, one guy who, I, who does seem like a, a really good fit, also kind of getting pushed in the first round currently, uh, is Baylor receiver Denzel Mims. Arguably, his best route is the back shoulder fade, and that is something that we saw Burrow have success with throwing time and time again in college. Uh, yep. So that could be a good fit there as well. Uh, do you think Mims has what it takes? Let's say A.J. Green moves on, and you know they're not giving him a, a long-term deal, and he moves on after next year. Could Mims be a number one receiver in the NFL? He could probably become that guy. I mean, he's 6'3". He's about 2'10". He's... He ran well. He's got long arms, great wingspan. Um, I think there's a lot to like. He's got that size, length, hands, body control, extension profile that uh, that you like. Um, you know, I don't think he played track speed fast based on his 40 time, but he's stride length fast, and there's a difference. You know, he's long and he's athletic, and when you get him free access off the line of scrimmage, that stride length eats up uh, yards. I think he's he's a smooth, fluid athlete. He, he's got great catching ability. I mean, he can adjust to the ball. He can make catches away from his frame. Uh, he's got good run-after-catch ability. I like Denzel Mims. I, I, again, I, you know me, Matt. I'm not real good at uh, figuring out where guys go in a draft, uh, and then it becomes in the eye of the beholder and how teams see a player as a scheme fit as well. But I like Denzel Mims. I think he'll be a good pro. Yeah, and uh, you know, definitely – uh, a big time climber, uh, you know, in on where he's been projected uh, to to go uh, since the off season. But you know, he he was really showing some things on film that 
project him in that in that way as well. I think it probably just took a little while for people to catch up on the Baylor film after focusing on Bama and LSU and all that. So, <laughs> uh, now no, he's good. I think he's, you know, uh, there's a lot to like about him. I mean, he's he's got great body control. He's got strong hands. I thought he understood zone coverage, understanding how to find voids and present a target to the quarterback. Uh, he was very good working the sideline as a boundary receiver, using his body effectively. I think as you project him, you see things that you can see receivers doing in the NFL. Well, uh, another person that uh, has been compared to A.J. Green in the past, actually, is Clemson's T. Higgins. Now, his testing did not support that, and you know there are rumors that he could be slipping uh, because of, of his uh, pro-day yeah. performance. Um, how important do you think that is compared to what you saw on film? And do you think he has what it takes to be a top flight receiver in the NFL? Well, I like his tape a lot. I, you know, I saw the pro day numbers and obviously that will scare some people. And because of unfortunately what we're going through now as a country, there's no way to really, uh, you know, get a better feel for him. If you're a team, you can't go talk to him. You, you know, you can't do the kinds of things you normally do. Um, but I think when you watch his tape, I think there's some movement enhanced similarities to Michael Thomas when he came out of Ohio State. Now, people look at Michael Thomas now and say, wow, he's great, but he was a second-round pick. It's not as if people talked about Michael Thomas as a top-ten pick in the draft. Uh, Higgins' tape is, is very impressive, and he was effective working both outside the numbers with back shoulder and contested vertical catches and between the numbers with his big body and wide catch radius and strong hands. So... I think you can line him up outside. I think you can line him up inside. As I said, his tape was way better than his testing. So now you have to decide what that means. Now, keep in mind, he ran a 4.58. If you go back and look at a Michael Thomas or a DeAndre Hopkins, they ran about the same time. So the 4.58 in and of itself doesn't mean anything. I think people were more bothered by his 10-yard split, which was very poor. Yeah, and I think it's a positive, too, when you, when you look at it. I mean, this is, this is Clemson we're talking about. Uh, you know, he's, he's seen Ohio State. Uh, and those DBs, he's seen LSU and those DBs. Yeah. So he's, you've got film of him against top-level talent, against you know defensive backs that are going around one of the drafts. So uh, I think it makes you feel a little better about some of that stuff, or you know, as opposed to somebody from a smaller school or hasn't seen that competition. Um, you know, I, I really feel like those numbers are the, the testing numbers to me are, are more important in adjusting to level of competition than anything. Yeah, and then, you know, you make a good point. You have to decide what those numbers really mean. You know, 40-yard dash times, look, obviously if a guy is Henry Ruggs and he runs a 428, of course we knew he was fast. You know, it's just a quick story. My first year at the Combine, I think, was 1998. And, you know, I was trying to meet people, and it was a different Combine because it wasn't a big media event then. And I remember, I think it was my first day there, I'm just trying to meet people and kind of hang around and, you know, be a pain in the ass, so to speak. And I'm sitting with a bunch of scouts, and an old-time scout, the guy was probably 65 at the time, uh, he was from the South and he says, he says to me, he turns to me cause he didn't really know me. I'm just sitting there trying to listen to people. And he says, you know what the 40 yard dash means, son? He said, the 40 yard dash tells you that fast guys run fast and slow guys run slow, you know? And I never forgot that because, you know, Guys like Henry Ruggs, it doesn't matter what he runs. We know he's fast. You know, we, didn't, we knew T. Higgins isn't going to run a 4-4 because you can tell that from watching the tape. So what's the difference between a 4-5-4 and a 4-5-8? Is that going to change your view of the player on tape? To me, it shouldn't. Yeah, absolutely. I was a little thrown off by his, uh, his vertical 
just with all the contestants catches and how you see him going up on film um, that, you know, that I was expecting him to, him to, you know, jump out of the roof. But uh, again, when you're seeing him make those plays on film, how much does it really matter if he's not jumping that high in a gym? No, I mean, the tape, I think the tape tells you a lot. Then obviously you have to extrapolate as, as scouts and coaches have to do. You have to say, well, can he do that in the NFL? I think he can. I think his size helps him tremendously. Size is a trait. Now, speaking of size, uh, another bigger receiver uh, in this year's draft is Michael Pittman from USC. Uh, he's drawn all kinds of comparisons from uh, Michael Thomas. Uh, in, your, in your evaluation, you mentioned uh, both Mike Evans and Cortland Sutton. Uh, how do you see Pittman uh, fitting into the NFL? I really liked Michael Pittman's tape. Um, I don't think he's as vertically explosive as Mike Evans. Mike Evans, I think, is a little more advanced in that regard, so I'm not going to put him quite in that category. Uh, but I really liked Pittman's tape. I mean, he's got size, play speed, hands, competitiveness. He can run after catch. He's pretty fluid for a man that size now. I mean, you just watch his movement. He's smooth and athletic, and he's got good play speed. Not a burner, but, you know, again, he ran well for a man that size. Uh, I think there's a competitive toughness to his game. Uh, to me, and again, so much, there are so many variables, Matt, as you know. It's, not, it's where you go. It's how you're used. It's how you're coached. It's who your quarterback is. It's, it's so many factors. But I think he has a chance to be a really, really good NFL wide receiver. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So Pittman, uh, also Van Jefferson uh, from Florida, these are, these are NFL legacies. These are, these are guys whose, whose fathers played on Sundays. What value do you give uh, to, to those guys? Uh, you know, is, is that something that, you know, having that, that legacy and that background in your family, do you think that that projects them in any way better as a pro? Well, I look at the player. I mean, I think when you watch a Van Jefferson, for instance, I think you can see that he was probably coached well by his dad because he's as smooth and detailed a route runner uh, as, as anybody in this draft. Jerry Judy's like that as well. But uh, I think you can look at a Van Jefferson and you can just see how he understands how to run routes. He's got a nuanced skill set. He's got higher level route running ability. He has enough suddenness and explosiveness to win to, and separate. He's not a vertical guy. He won't run by people and be a vertical dimension. But Van Jefferson has the look of a quality NFL wide receiver who can step in and play. Uh, 
like I said, everybody wants to decide, is, he a wide, is this guy a wide receiver one? Is he a wide receiver two? Is he a wide receiver three? Jefferson's not going to be a wide receiver one, but I think he's one of those guys that will play in the league for a long time. And, again, depending on situation and, and other factors, could be a very productive kind of player, whatever that means. He's not going to catch 90 for 1,300, but that's not what you're going to expect him to do anyway. So you mentioned that he, uh, you know, maybe not the most explosive receiver out there. Uh, one guy who is being described as a, an explosive uh, playmaker, you actually uh, recently posted uh, an evaluation on, is Brandon Ayuk. Could you uh, t- talk a little bit about uh, how you think that that type of uh, playmaker transitions uh, into the NFL, and I mean, is, is that his role? Is he the deep threat to get the ball in his hands type of guy, uh, or is there is there more to him than that? He's an explosive guy. He's a space guy at this point in his career because he transitioned to wide receiver, uh, I think, in college or, or in junior college, or you know, he he didn't come into college as a wide receiver. He's a space player. He's an explosive space player, which gives you the opportunity to use him on screens, jet sweeps, reverses. You can use him that way within the context of your offense. Um, You want to get the ball to him where he has room because that's the kind of guy he is. Now, maybe it takes him a little more time, um, but he certainly can line up in multiple positions in your formation. He can be deployed in multiple ways. Uh, he's, you know, you think of vertical routes, you think of in-breakers at the short to intermediate level where you're getting him the ball on the move. As I said, multiple screen concepts. He's a big play kind of guy at this point. And then you obviously hope he gets more refinement and more subtlety and nuance to his game. But he's, he's a fascinating prospect to me. Yeah. Um, you know, the guy that's, that's really fascinating, uh, you did a profile recently, uh, was LaVisca Chenault. Um, and, He's one of these guys who he's not only a bigger body, but he's kind of a kind of almost a running back type of body. Uh, yep. And you see that at Colorado, they use him in a variety of ways. They would put him in the backfield. Um, how do you think a guy like that transitions to the NFL? Because I, I feel like that, that it reminds me a little bit of like Cordero Patterson. Um, and I know teams kind of struggle to figure out how to deploy him. Um, how do you think a, a LaVisca Chanel will, will transition to the NFL? Well, that's a great question because I think he's a receiver, and I think you have to treat him as such. Now, yes, can he be used in, in those other ways as we have spoken about with other receivers, whether it's jet sweeps, whether it's reverses? But, I mean, he has high-level traits. I mean, he's got size. He's got athleticism. He's explosive. He's got ball skills. He's competitive. Um, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and compare him to, you know, great, great receivers, but you watch him, and there are times that, yeah, and I talked to someone about this, there are times watching him at his best where you go, wow, there, he looks like Terrell Owens. You know, and I'm not going to say that's who he is right now, but, I mean, he's a big man, uh, and he is physical, competitive, tough. You have to make sure that he's a receiver because I think that's what he is. Um, and, and he's... He's another really intriguing prospect in this draft class at the receiver position. Somebody's going to fall in love with him, and I don't know if that means he gets drafted in the first round or not, but somebody's going to look at him and say, I can make this guy a really special player. It'll be interesting with this year, with as you, as you referenced earlier, everything that's going on in the country, um, that he does have some medicals. Uh, right. So yep. not being able to get him in the facility uh, could, could hurt his draft stock. So it's going to be interesting to see how everything – falls out in this draft for the lack of that in-person contact uh, between teams and prospects. And, and he's a great example of that. Um, finally, uh, as we talked about these receivers, we're talking about them in, in relationship to, uh, to Joe Burrow. 
um, and how uh, you know how they can fit into to what the Bengals offense is going to be in the near future. How do you think Joe Burrow projects to the NFL? Um, I know that in Cincinnati he is too often looked at as a bit of a savior. Uh, <laughs> that's to be expected. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, and, and I'm don't get me wrong, I'm huge on him, but I don't think any any person uh, can be that. Uh, so. How do you think he projects to the NFL, and how, what potential issues do you think he might have in his first couple of years in transitioning? Well, let's start with this. Almost every quarterback is a system quarterback. There's very few quarterbacks who are scheme transcendent that have just that kind of ability. Maybe a Patrick Mahomes fits into that category, but almost every quarterback, even the great ones, even Hall of Famers, they're, they're scheme quarterbacks. They're system-based. So I think you have to start there. Um, I think Burrow has a tremendous skill set. Uh, to me, the only thing he lacked, and I watched a lot of games, okay? So, I mean, I feel pretty comfortable with what I'm saying. I think the only thing you'd say he lacked is higher-level arm strength. And then reasonable people will have disagreements about what that means. But I think that he plays with poise. He has great vision. He sees things. His timing is excellent. He has, he's very efficient from the pocket. He's very precise with his ball placement. He's got excellent secondary action ability. His feel both within the pocket and getting out of the pocket is really high a level. So I, I think that he has everything you look for. And there's a calmness to his game. He, you know, there's a poise and composure to his game. So to me, I don't, I don't view him as, you know, I'm not one of those guys that says can't miss. I just don't use that term because these guys have not played in the NFL yet. But I, I think he has every trait you look for, as I said, except that high-level arm strength. And ultimately, what does that mean? You know, is that going to be a factor? I would think not. Yeah, when you can do everything else so well. Uh, and he's, a, he's definitely a guy who is, even in the course of this season, has had to win in a lot of different ways. Uh, when you look at before and after the Auburn game, uh, how teams were rushing him. Uh, and even, even in the championship, the national championship game, um, he was a little bit more of a gunslinger. You know, his, uh, his completion percentage wasn't what it was earlier in the season. Um, and, you know, he was, he was taking some shots, not always getting them, but he was able to win differently. Uh, so, that, I mean, that's yeah. what I really admire about him is how he, he's a chameleon. Take something away, he'll, he'll figure out a different way to do it. And I think that championship game was interesting because clearly Clemson defensively, with, you know, with a couple of weeks to prepare or, or whatever it was, showed – uh, LSU, something that they did not expect to see, and for the first two or three series, combined with the fact that they had very bad po uh, field position deep in their own territory, you know, Burrow had to figure it out. But you could see the poise, the calm, and he figured it out. Now, obviously, he's got a coaching staff that helps him, and it's you know that that's just part of the deal. That's what you, you hope. That's what coaches are supposed to do. But you could just tell by Burrow with his body language when you're watching it live that he was not phased. I just think there's a calmness to his game. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, you talk about being very deep, and in, in, I believe it was the first drive. He, he dug him out of that hole by completing a deep ball, and then it got called back. Uh, right. you know, and, and even facing those things and, and you know, a teammate making a mistake, uh, which, you know, the way he runs around, you can understand that they're going to have uh, guys – down the field from time to time, not getting caught up on that, not blaming anybody, you know, all right, well, let's, let's get it done on the next drive. Um, yeah, definitely something that that level of, of maturity uh, and competitiveness, certainly something that uh, is going to transition well to the NFL. No, I like Barrow a lot. I mean, to me, 
he's clearly the number one quarterback prospect in this draft. And I spoke to a number of people when I was at the combine, Matt, and they said that he interviewed exceptionally well. I had one coach tell me he was like a computer chip. (laughs) So, I mean, that, you know, add that to the way he plays, but he almost plays like that. See, I think the tape, again, I don't know Joe Burrow. I'm not going to sit and have a chance to talk to him. I mean, maybe when he gets in the league and, you know, it'll be different, but uh, so I'm not going to be talking to him before then, obviously, but I think when you watch him play, you, you can sense by the way he plays that he sees things, that he's in control, that he's not phased. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know it's a, it's a very exciting time in Cincinnati, and uh, the way things have gone so far in free agency are, are uh, getting us pumped up as well. So uh, excited to, to make it official here in about three weeks. So uh, thank you very much for listening today. Uh, make sure you keep coming back. We will have great guests all offseason. My guest today, of course, was Greg Cassell, uh, who you can find on Twitter, at Greg Cassell. He's actually posted uh, several draft evaluations, including evaluations on all the players that we've talked about today. So definitely go and check that out for a little bit more detail on some of this stuff. Also, uh, you can find him on the NFL Matchup Show, which is far and away the best football breakdown show out there. So if you are not setting your DVR on Saturday and Sunday mornings and, and catching that, uh, make sure you, you start to do that because uh, it is really, uh, really can't miss uh, if you're uh, really into the X's and O's and, and you know, the game behind the game of football. Uh, so once again, uh, thank you for joining me, Mr. Cosell. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we're coming forward with Yeah, we're coming forward.